Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. It's the national championship game for men's college basketball tonight. UConn against Upstart the San Diego State Aztecs. It's going to be a good one. Uh, UConn has kind of sailed through this a little bit, winning by 20 almost every round. San Diego State knocking off FAU on a buzzer beater. So this is the final. It's been an unusual tournament. Not many Blue Bloods. I guess you consider UConn one. Of course, they won a national championship in St. Petersburg. The old UConn, UCAN headline that we had in the Tampa Bay Times with Jim Calhoun. So they know their way. They've been there before. And uh, San Diego State, of course, trying to win their first national championship. We're also going to talk a little USF sports, USF basketball in particular. They have a new head coach. What's going on there? Could they be perhaps the next FAU? We'll do that with my colleague Joey Knight of the Tampa Bay Times. And you can read them, of course, always on tampabay.com. But first, let's get into the weekend that was for the Tampa Bay Rays and the Lightning for that matter. Tampa Bay Rays, of course, begin the season with a series sweep, three games to none over the Detroit Tigers and pitching was the rule of thumb. I mean, Jeffrey Springs, how about his work on Sunday? Six innings, no hits as the Rays sweep the Tigers. He threw uh, just 81 pitches and struck out 12 when he was taken out of that game. The first hit was an infield hit. They later uh, added a home run late in that game. Five to one win for the Rays, who are off to a hot start. Of course, uh, a lot of guys swinging the bats well. I don't think Kevin Cash could ask for a better opening series. I mean, he said we should be pretty happy, but but man, Springs, again, you look at this pitching staff, and Tyler Glass now is not going to be back until sometime probably May, maybe even June, but but not before May. Um, and this is as good a starting staff, you know, just in terms of its depth uh, and, and the variety of pitchers that they have that the Rays have had for some time. Uh, he had a great spring, Springs did, and, you know, he, he threw 14 shutout innings over four games with 24 strikeouts. But talk about a guy taking that into uh, the regular season. Randy Rosarena had a blast, 436-foot home run in the fourth inning, give the Rays a one nothing lead. Um, and, of course, he's continuing sort of where he left off in the World Baseball Classic. That's what they're hoping for. Uh, more hits for Wander Franco. I think he's something like 7 of 10 with about three or four doubles already. He's swinging a hot bat. Yandy Diaz had a big day uh, in the second game of that series that the Rays won handily. So... Pitching has been good. The defense has been good. And more importantly, they're swinging the bats. And now they go on their first road trip uh, to the Washington Nationals. But an outstanding first series for the Rays. Got everything that they wanted, really, out of, uh, well, all three starting pitchers. So um, very impressed with them. And, um, you know, again, I don't think the Detroit Tigers are necessarily a great, you know, measuring stick for what the whole season is going to be. But if you're Kevin Cash and – you know, those guys that have put this team together and, and saw some, you know, Josh, Josh Lowe swung the bat well. I mean, there were some good moments, some good signs for them um, that they wanted to see taking in from the spring to the regular season, and they did that in the series opener, a sweep 
over the Detroit Tigers, three games to none. Meanwhile, the Tampa Bay Lightning have clinched their playoff appearance. That's six in a row, I think, nine times out of the last ten years they have done so. Big win the other night, a 5 to nothing shutout over the Islanders. And if you just look at the way the defense is starting to play now, uh, phenomenal. I think they gave up one goal in the previous three games. That was previous to Sunday's game. Um, you're starting to see real contributions from uh, really from all lines. And I, I think that uh, Sergeyev has been playing great, of course. Tanner Janot really starting. He got his first goal, starting to pick things up. Um, Pierre Edouard uh, Belmar has been playing great. I mean, some of the, you know, they're getting all the big contributions, of course, from Nikita Kucherov and Stamkos, guys like that. Darren Radish has uh, been playing very well. John Cooper singled him as well. So, some new players that have assimilated now with this team, and they're starting to starting to gel at the right time, starting to get that look of a team that can uh, play the right way, shut you down. Radish with his first two points uh, in, in the NHL uh, just the other night against the Islanders. So um, it, was, uh, it was a good uh, clinching. Again, this was almost inevitable. Uh, they had been stumbling a little bit on the road, but again, at home, they're very, very good. And I just think that they have that look. They have the look that they've had this time every single year. And I don't care. I know the East is loaded. We've talked about this with Steve and others many times on this podcast. But at the end of the day, you're going to have to go through the Tampa Bay Lightning if you're going to get to the Stanley Cup Finals. That's the way it's been the last three years. I think that's the way it's going to be this year as well. I don't know if they'll make it all the way back. I mean, this is as close to a dynasty in the salary cap year you could have going there three years in a row, winning two of them. Um, But... That nucleus is is still together, and barring some kind of injuries from some of their top stars, you know they didn't have Braden Point last year. I mean, this team uh, is certainly going to be uh, a challenge for anybody to try to beat. Before we get to uh, Joey Knight here in just a minute, I want to tell you how to save money on your electric bill. It's May Electric Solar. They're a family-owned business. They've been installing solar electric systems now for 12 years. There's a lot of these flyby companies out there, but May Electric Solar is committed to you for the long term. They guarantee their workmanship with a 30-year labor and services warranty, Plus, with every installation, you get $750 worth of surge protection for all your appliances. That is what they call the May difference. If you visit their Hudson showroom, May Electric displays all their products. They conduct on-site testing. You can see exactly what they're going to install. Plus, they don't use subcontractors. So all those guys up there installing those solar panels on the roof, those are Billy Mays guys, and that's important because you know who's doing the job. Start saving today. Call the solar energy experts at May Electric Solar. Here's the number, 727 819-2862. You can schedule a free estimate. Lower your electric bill all year long. Preserve the quality of your life and your appliances through every season. That's May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. All right, time to talk a little college basketball with Joey Knight. We'll get into the national championship game tonight, as well as uh, LSU's victory in the women's national championship. They win over Iowa Kim Mulkey with another title, this time for LSU. I want to talk to you, Joey. Uh, you know, not surprising that Brian Gregory was fired by USF. Um, there was a, not, a number of, of candidates that were um, sort of named that, that you know, might be on USF's radar. It turns out they hire Amir Abdul-Rahim. Who is this guy, and why is he the best choice for USF? Well, you know, I, I hate to say consolation prize because i think this guy is certainly not a consolation prize but 
by the same token, he was not USF's first choice. I mean, it, it was confirmed by the athletic director, Michael Kelly, that they were having conversations with Mike Bray, the, the former Notre Dame coach who had mm-hmm. a heck of a run there in South Bend. Um, yeah. there, was a, uh, there was a preponderance of evidence that, that the Bulls were looking hard at Ryan Odom, the coach at Utah State who led Maryland-Baltimore County to that upset of top-seeded Virginia a few years back. We all remember that. And Michael Kelly has a, has a long relationship with, with the Odoms. You know, Ryan Odom's dad, Dave, was the coach at Wake Forest. And when Michael Kelly worked there, and Michael Kelly's a Wake Forest alumnus, so there was a, there was a big connection to, to Ryan Odom and Michael Kelly and USF, but that didn't happen. I also heard that the school had some made overtures, at least, to younger Patino, Richard Patino, out at New Mexico. And mm-hmm. obviously that didn't happen. But, uh, you know, in fairness, when we listed, Rick, you know, some possible candidates for USF, Amir Abdurrahim from Kennesaw State was on our list from the get go. So mm-hmm. I, I don't want to call him a consolation prize. He was one of those guys in play. And it's undeniable what he did in four years at Kennesaw State, really, you know, a kind of an obscure program, but he took it in four years, you know, year one, they won one game. And over the course of time, their win total increased to, to this past season. They won more than 25 games, won the, uh, won their conference tournament for the first time in school history and earned the, the program's first NCAA tournament berth. So, this guy has some coaching chops. Um, he's coached at Georgia. He was an assistant at Georgia under Tom Crean. He was out at Texas A&M. Uh, you know, he was at College of Charleston. He's 42 years old. So it's not like he's a newbie or a neophyte. This guy has been an assistant coach. He's paid his dues. He's, he's beaten the bushes. And he's got some, some head coaching experience, as evidenced by that, <laughs> that incredible transformation of the Kennesaw State program. So... They're getting a veteran who knows Florida, who has recruited Florida. And, you know, it, it's we always say it's a cliche. He won the press conference. He, I'll be danged if he didn't say all the right things, Rick. Uh, you know, there's about, I would say, 200, 250 people at the Muma Center for his introductory press conference. He struck all the right notes. And now we just got to see if he, if he can resuscitate a program that's had one winning season since the last time they made the NCAA tournament in 2012. We'll see. And that's the thing. I mean, uh, first of all, it, very often when coaches are hired um, or and or leave, you know, a, a lot of players go with them, right? So right. what is he inheriting, if anything? And like many college coaches, although he seemed a little more committed to it when he talked about it, he, he wants the high school player, right? And, and in, in particularly if, if, you know, they're, they're coming from someplace else that they didn't play, and and have a chance to to transfer to USF. Of course, he'd be all about that. Um, but but where is this program in terms of? I mean, obviously, you know, they haven't won for a long time. I look at look I look at Florida Atlantic. I mean, this there's there's no better example maybe this year, right? How was Dusty May able to do it? Is there a template there? They're joining the very conference that USF is in next year. This is what I looked up, Rick. Three of the top four scores at FAU have been in that program at least three years. That mm. doesn't include Golden, the big guy, their, their big yeah. man. He transferred from Texas Tech, but this was his second year in the program. So I think that's something to be said for roster stability 
and veteran players who know the system. These guys have played yeah. an awful lot of basketball together. And if you look mm -hmm. at Kennesaw State, Abdur Rahim, four of his top scores this past season for that breakthrough team, they've been in the program at least three seasons. So Ross' stability is something he's got to forge because USF has had none of it the last two or three years. Uh, the last really solid nucleus they had, you know, was um, Alexis Yetna and those guys, um, you know, the, uh, the guard and whose name escapes me, I knew it would, but they had a little nucleus there and all those guys about two or three years ago decided to go their separate race, tap into the transfer portal. And it's just been one overhaul after another, year after year after year. So roster stability is something they need, which does not preclude, you know, wisely tapping into the transfer portal and filling your holes there. I, I do know some guys are coming with them. Brandon Stroud, who was the leading rebounder at Kennesaw last season, he made it clear on social media. He's coming. He's following Abdur Rahim to USF. So mm. the replenishments are here. But from what I sense with Abdur Rahim is he, he, wants to, he wants to build with high school talent. He thinks high school kids, because of the transfer portal, have kind of gotten a bad rap. They've kind of been marginalized. He sounds like a guy who wants to build his roster through high school talent, develop it, try to develop some stability and cohesion. And if you can fill some holes with some veteran guys like Brandon Stroud, um, that could be a recipe for, I don't want to say a championship, but certainly more success than USF has had. Does, does the quick turnaround seem more doable in college basketball than football? And what I mean is obviously USF has not won anything. But I'm looking right. at, you know, even this year, this this year in college basketball, I think is is I don't know. Maybe it's the anomaly, or maybe it's opened some eyes. But but you have you know FAU and San Diego State. That game went down to the buzzer. San Diego State now in the national title game against the remaining. I guess you would call them blue blood UConn, who was a fourth seed, but has won by twenty points every game they played in this in this championship. Um, but but Cinderella stayed past midnight a couple times, so. Does it look like it can be done? Because we've seen teams, you know, some of the traditional blue bloods like North Carolina or Duke or um, Kentucky struggle um, because they have so many one and dones, and and you know the inexperience is 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 a killer sometimes. Yeah, I I think it, I think the transformation can occur more quickly in college basketball. Again, if you tap into the transfer portal wisely, go over to San yeah. Diego State, which is playing for a national title tonight. Three of their top four scores are transfers, but they're all seniors, Rick. So it's not like they, you know, they got a, a, a freshman from right. wherever, you know, a hotshot freshman and plugged him in. They've got mm -hmm. 21, 22, 23-year-old men yeah. who, who are playing yeah. on that team. And, and Butler, the guy who th hit the game winner against FAU the other night, he's not a transfer, but he's an upperclassman in the third year in the program. So, you yeah. know, that's what I'm saying. You, you can... The uh, the Cinderellas have a much better chance, you know, in this sport, because if you can keep a roster together in this day and age of college basketball, get guys who are who are, who are grown men who play together for two or three years and complement them with, you know, by wisely tapping into the portal and, you know, wisely bringing in, you know, a guy that, you know, is going to fit into your culture and your system. And I think San Diego State is a classic example of that. And again, go back to FAU. Three of their top four scores have been in the program at least three years. So I think 
what we're seeing in this day and age of college basketball, it can be done with those teams with stable rosters and who use the portal wisely. And in fact, I was reading your story, Abdur Rahim said at some point, uh, either during the press conference or afterwards, talking about FAU, if, if, if them, why not us, right? Why, why can't Absolutely. we be the FAU um, in the future? And, um, and, and I, I kind of believe that that's possible. I and mean, again, so, so much has to be done and, and it's a player's game and all that. But um, yeah, interesting coach. And he, and he did do a good job of turning around Kennesaw state. And um, so, you know, sometimes you don't get your first choice, but sometimes it's the best choice. It just Absolutely. works out that way. Absolutely. I've seen it happen I, at the NFL level. No question. Um, and again, I, I thought he struck all the right notes at the press conference He's got a really cool backstory. He's the fourth oldest of 13 kids. As a matter of fact, he's 42 years old, and he's got his youngest sister is a freshman in high school, just led her team to the state title game in Georgia for, for their high school classification. So His youngest you know, sister. Wow. wow. His youngest sister. So it's kind of a, it's a sprawling family. It's an interesting backstory. You know, I, I think he won a lot of points. He spoke highly of Jose Fernandez, said, I'm going to, I'm going to pick his brain. He's going to become my best friend. He's he showed us all how you can be successful here at USF. And he he talked about putting putting a fence around Florida, you know, recruiting Florida and the Bay Area heavily. But, you know, as far as that goes, Rick, I don't think USF fans care whether they whether their players come from Florida or Finland or Philadelphia or wherever. They just want they just want to bring in players who will win and stay here, you know, who will allow this roster to develop some continuity and stability so but you know more power to him he, he struck a right note by saying that and we'll just see how it goes speaking of jose fernandez kind of a tough draw in the second round uh to get south carolina uh and hung for a half and then that was yep. it so where where is uh what does it look like for the lady bulls coming back uh next season will he have another national championship contender i guess you would say or tournament contender anyway as long as Jose can continue to recruit, you know, elite international talent, which he's already yeah. made an overseas trip. I spoke to him a, about a week ago and he, he was he was flying out or coming back, but he had already made one trip over there, one recruiting trip. And he's just got so many connections, having recruited in Europe for years and years and years. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, he will have he will have some pieces around him. They lose Dolce, the uh the six foot four senior, the big girl inside, and Lena Sineki, who uh, was the who was the guard who had been there, uh, another European player. Uh, Elena and Dolce were co conference players of the year. They're moving on. Yeah. They're graduating. There's Sammy Puisis, who is the um, who is the three point specialist. She's back, but Jose's proven <clears throat> time and time and time again that he's able to replenish that roster with international talent. And I have no question he'll continue to do that. Uh, I tell you what, they've done. Jose's done as good a job as anybody in the country with 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 that program. If they could get the men's program going at all, uh, that would be exciting for USF. And we're not too far away from football. Can't believe I'm saying this. We're sitting here about uh, what less than a month before the NFL draft, but um, that's that's sort of where we're at. So has has the spring gone well for the Bulls so far this year and their new head coach? I, I think Alex Golish, the new coach, is pleased. I think he's pleased with the uh, the energy and the commitment and the buy-in he's seen so far. <clears throat> of course, he's only been on the job, what, about three months. So we'll see how it goes. And, you know, 
everything, you know, he, he's pleased with the buy-in that he has from his players, but he understands there's still some roster replenishment. Uh, there'll be another portal period here, for lack of a better term, in April. And there are some guys who are dinged up. Gary Bohannon, the quarterback, he hasn't been able to do very much, I don't think, this spring. He's going to get healthy again. Uh, Katravis Marsh, another quarterback, hasn't been able to do much. He fractured his neck last season. So they've had some guys dinged up, some significant guys. They've had they've got some signees who are not here on campus yet. And this staff is gonna is gonna um tap into the portal again before all said and done. So what we see now and what fans will see at the spring game later this month probably is not going to be anywhere near the finished product we see when they when they face Western Kentucky in the uh in the season opener, but you know, um, he's, he's, he's establishing his culture. We talked about it, you know, you and I've talked about it, how, you know, this staff is kind of micromanaging and that's what a lot of young coaches do. I mean, just monitoring their practice habits, their nutritional habits, their hydration, just every little facet of what these kids do. And sometimes that works and sometimes it's backfires. And I don't know how many times I've heard, Goalish say, hey, we're, we're going to outwork every staff in the country. <laughs> okay, um, you can say that. That sounds good. But, um, you know, everybody else works pretty doggone hard, too. I think Kirby Smart and Dabo and Norvell and those guys work pretty doggone hard, too. But, you know, that's, that's what young coaches say. We'll see how it all plays out. But um, he is pleased with what he's seen so far this spring. But, again, this roster is not a finished product. Not nowhere near, I don't think, to what we're going to see uh, this fall. And I think this quarterback derby is going to stretch. I don't know if we'll know the starter on opening day. I, he may keep it, you know, Golish may play it close to the vest and not reveal his starter until the, the first possession. Yeah. I, I, when I hear coaches controlling things the way he did, it worries me because I've known a lot of them, even going all the way back to Bruce Arians experience at Temple, he tried to do the very same thing and said it put him in a hospital. Right. Um, but you know, um, I, I, I tend to think that you miss the forest for the trees sometimes. You know, if you're worried about their hydration, let somebody else worry about their hydration. You know what I'm saying? Like, get the bigger picture, worry about getting players, worry about, you know, execution of offense and make sure you got the right guys in the right spots or whatever. But delegation seems to be, um, you know, some of the better coaches not only attract good coaches, but they also give them some authority to uh, to grow themselves and, and not try to micromanage. But, look, it's his first job as a head coach uh, at this level, and I think, you know, he's going to do it his way, and, and, and I understand that too. You know, if I'm going to go down, um, I'm going to go down doing it my way. I've thought about it a long time. I know what my plan is, and I'm going to, you know, make sure that I'm, I'm in charge of everything. So good luck to you. Uh, but the biggest thing that, that we talked about will be, will be getting players. The one uh, story I wanted to tease, because it's a really good story that you wrote in Tampa Bay Times and on TampaBay.com, is about one of his assistants, the new USF receivers coach, LaDamian Washington. Tell me about him and just what he's overcome to be here. Uh, this His story, LaDamian Washington, he's the receivers coach. He played at Missouri, had a heck of a career at Missouri as a receiver. But he probably has the most bleak or grim backstory uh, this program has ever seen since Quentin Flowers. And we all know Quentin Flowers. He, sure. he lost both his parents before he got to USF and two nights before his first start for the Bulls, one of his brothers was murdered in a drive-by shooting. Uh, LaDamian's story is pretty close. Um, his mm. father was murdered when he was five. He had another 
very close friend who was shot and killed. I believe he was shot. He was killed um, when he was a teenager. And then he lost his mother. His mother um, had, a, had blood clot issues. Um, and she had to be hospitalized when he was 15, playing in a basketball game. The game had just finished up, and they had to rush her to the hospital, and, and she passed away that evening. So he's 15 years old. He has no parents, and his oldest brother, who's 19, kind of has to become the, the legal guardian for LaDamian and his two other brothers. It's a you know family of four brothers, and they decided we're not going to be split up. That, that's not what our mom would have wanted. We're going to, we're going to have that wolf pack mentality. We're going to, you know, we're going to stay together as a pack and they did. And it was tough. You know, uh, the oldest brother who, who's, who was 19 at the time, he had a, he had a, an infant daughter. He had to become kind of the head of the household. And, you know, it, it was difficult. They had to move from apartment to apartment. Sometimes they got their electricity cut off. Sometimes there was a food shortage. Sometimes, LaDamian found himself sleeping on friends' couches or, you know, just, you know, family, loved ones, coaches, pastors, you know, taking him in from time to time when the family, you know, when the brothers didn't have anything. It was so he had that kind of upbringing, yet the the brothers hung tough. They said, we're going to get through this together. And long story short, LaDamian graduated in the top 10 of his class in high school earned a scholarship to Missouri and ultimately, ultimately flourished, had a really good year, his senior year when Missouri won the, uh, won the SEC East, won, won a division title. And here he is 31 years old and he's got a great story to tell about persistence and resilience and conquering adversity. You know, you talk about a coach who has a great message to share with young men in a room, LaDamian Washington's it. And, um, I was just honored for him to sit down and just kind of bear his soul and his backstory with me. And I was just fortunate I was able to, to share it with the readers because that's, that's a message that will resonate among young people. And this is his calling. He says he's felt called to coach, to lead young men. And in addition to that, he's got quite a backstory to share with him. It's an incredible story, and he's written it very well. He had over, hundred, I guess, 100 catches at Missouri 2013 when, as you said, they won – a share of the SEC East. And you're right, Joey, in this era of if I can't play here, I'm going to transfer there or right. AAU ball or high school ball where they do the same thing essentially at times during positions. Here's a guy who's been through everything and then some and has come out um, and has accomplished what he has and his family. There's very little problems that somebody could come to um, LaDainian Washington and, and him not be able to relate a story or 12 uh, right. about overcoming adversity. No question. Um, uh, yeah. And you, you make a great point in this, you know, we live in a microwave society where people want instant gratification and here's a guy that's, you know, kind of a, the epitome, a 31 year old epitome of persistence and resil resilience and, you know, just kind of trusting the process and rising above the, the difficult times. And now he is, he is in that, he is in that, locker room he is in that receiver's room he's got a great message to share all right we'll circle back to basketball national championship game tonight who you got UConn or the upstart San Diego State team I'm gonna go with UConn because they've got at least a couple of NBA guys on yeah, on that do. roster you know that 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 they're that's why they're kind of the outlier we've talked about San Diego State and FAU having 
veteran players, and that cannot right. be discounted. Guys who've been in their program two and mm-hmm. three years, played a lot of basketball together, but UConn has just has elite talent. Uh, Jordan Hawkins, that sophomore, I, I, I think he'll probably be a first-round draft choice, and they've got one guy, maybe two other guys that possibly could get drafted. Um, so I would have to lean on Danny Hurley and, and UConn tonight. Yeah, no, I don't disagree. I think there's a reason why they have uh, they have survived and, and won by 20 or more, I think, in almost every game in this tournament. And even though San Diego State plays tremendous defense, I don't think they're going to be able to handle the NBA talent that they've got. He's Joey Knight. You can read all about USF. You can read about the Buccaneers. You can read about almost any subject you want from Joey Knight in the Tampa Bay Times and on TampaBay.com. Thanks, Joey. We appreciate a part of your weekend, man. All right. Thanks, Rick. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. My thanks to Joey Knight. As always, the Bucks will continue now turning their attention to the NFL draft. We'll have plenty of coverage of that, plus whatever they do in the remaining days of free agency with Todd Bowles tries to build his team. A lot of time left um, to acquire players. Some of their own, I think, might be resigning here in the coming days or weeks. But really, most of the attention now is on the draft. And then following the draft, there will be another wave of free agency as team release some of their veterans. And I think the Bucks will certainly take advantage of all of that. So there will be plenty of Bucks talk going on uh, throughout the week. Thanks for listening. My thanks to join Knight again. For Steve Burstick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody.